Good morning, Liberty. How's everyone doing? Good. We have a few announcements before we get into the Word. First, our ladies' Bible study is kicking off this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So if you're interested, that's right. If you're interested um, in being a part of that, that meets up here um, in the back in our room called Care Paravel. Second, our life groups are starting on Friday, January 21st. We are going through this amazing book called Corporate Worship. So we got copies right up here. They are $10. So grab a copy if you haven't gotten one yet. Um, if you want to be a part of a life group and you're not, one in, not yet in one, uh, talk to me or Justice and we will get you in a group. But this is a great book. I'm really looking forward to the study. Lastly, we had a prayer that we prayed in January of 2021, and we prayed it the entire year. And that prayer was that at the end of 2021, so December 31st, just like a week and a half ago, that we would end um, our budget uh, $29,000. Um, we would bring in $29,000 over our budget because that is the amount that we owed on our building to pay off our building. And um, so we kind of talked about that the entire year and uh, we reached our goal. So, <clears throat> you all, <laughs> yes, you all were super, super generous. Um, I, I, I believe we even came in more than 29,000. Um, Justice um, and the finance team is, is crunching those numbers just to get that last final figure, but um, we've already written that check, and so, and they've already cashed it, so the building is officially paid off. <clears throat> yes. So God is good. Um, we've, we bought this building back in uh, January of 2022. So basically 20 years we've been making, nine, what's that? 2002. Did I say 2022? Yeah. Okay. Hey, I was off for a couple Sundays. <clears throat> so I'm still getting back in the swing of things. By the way, I was like sick as a dog on Christmas. Okay. And if there's like it's, it's not fun being sick on a holiday, right? But like Christmas of all days, like we had this huge feast planned and steaks and everything, okay? And I ate like six crackers the whole day. It was not very fun, all right? Some kind of stomach bug. It was, it was brutal. Okay, so yes, 2002. Thank you all for correcting me. Y'all are gracious about that. Even when I'm, I'm preaching my sermons, y'all are great about correcting me on that stuff too. I'm just kidding. Uh, but for 20 years, we've been, we've been making payments and, and, and different things. So God has been gracious to us to own this building scot-free, thanks to the generosity of all y'all. So thank you so much. And because of that, we actually want to celebrate. So we're going to have um, a luncheon in two weeks to celebrate this building being paid off. Okay? So we'll, we'll have some, some great food provided. We'll meet um, in our fellowship hall in the basement in two weeks, so mark your calendars, don't make um, lunch plans, it'll be a good time. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Um, if the kids have not been uh, let go for their catechism class, they can, they can head back now. All right, turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going through the book of 2 Thessalonians. 
We're working our way through chapter 2. We're going to pick it back up. We took a, a brief break for Christmas to focus on the Christmas season. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with thankful hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with another year to be on this earth to serve you. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us um, the funds through the generosity of your people to pay off this building. Much, much ministry has been done through this building over the years, God, and that's all thanks to you and your spirit who fills us. Lord, we pray for the students getting ready to head back to their classes, the college students, the high school students, the elementary students. Lord, be with them. Let them um, not just be learning academically, but let them be learning spiritually, um, things about you, things about your word. I pray for the teachers, that you'd give them wisdom beyond their years to instruct the students. I pray for the moms that are instructing kids at home, God, that you'd give them a love for the truth and a love for instilling that truth in their children. God bless uh, St. Charles County home educators uh, who meets here. Let their school year uh, go great. Bless the other um, Christian schools in our area, God, that they might stand on the truth and not retreat in the face of danger or in the face of threat from the enemy. Lord, let us continue to stand on your word here. Uh, you've graced this church um, with your presence time and time and time again, God. We ask you that you would continue to do that. Let 2022 be a year unto you. Be a year that we grow, that we hear from you, that we walk in your ways, that we put our hand to the plow and not turn back, and that we do all of this for your glory. We pray this with the authority you give us in Jesus. Amen. Amen. We took uh, one of our first trips to Belize a number of years ago, and we've continued to go back almost every year uh, since we first went about 12 years ago. But one of our first trips that we took to Belize, uh, we had an amazing week. The team did um, some great stuff that particular week, sharing the gospel, helping with food ministry, helping even with some construction projects. And 
On their way back, they, they hit their first flight, so they got out of Belize into the landing city um, to hit their connecting flight to come to St. Louis. And as you know, customs, if you've ever been out of the country and you try to make it back, that can take a little bit, right? And sometimes it can get a little bit stressful uh, depending on when that connecting flight is going to occur. And so our team is making their way through customs and they're all looking at their clocks a little bit nervously because the time is getting closer and closer until they need to hit that connecting flight. And they're being reassured uh, you know, by the TSA agents. And if you've ever been in that line, oh, you're going to make your flight, you're going to make your flight, you're going to make your flight. I've been in that line before and been told that, all right? It doesn't feel very reassuring at the time. It's like the more they say it, the more nervous I get. So they're telling, you know, you're going to make your flight, you're going to make your flight. So they finally get, get through the line, they're racing, it's like right at the time where the plane's supposed to leave. They get there, they miss their flight. You can imagine the frustration and the emotions and the tears of this team who had just gone through an entire week of missions in a foreign country and were completely exhausted because they pretty much laid it all out for the Lord. We're looking forward, there was a, a team at the St. Louis airport uh, getting ready to meet them and all that was gone because they missed the flight. That gives just a, a small picture of how the Thessalonians felt when they thought that they missed the coming of Jesus. Because they thought they had missed it too. That's why Paul tells them in verse 2, uh, don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. They thought they had missed it. They thought they had missed the return of Christ. So, so we can see how they'd be upset and distraught and uncertain of things. So Paul is going to take really all of chapter 2, and, and really when you take a bigger look at it, all three chapters of Second Thessalonians, but he's going to take all of chapter 2 to give them three things. The first is instruction. But here's the thing. Paul is not just educating them for academic reasons. He's instructing them and us so that we will recognize the signs when they occur. And the fact that he tells believers what signs to look for, and there's two of them we'll look at, that means believers will be around to see these two signs. So the Holy Spirit here, he, he is speaking to us because God wants us aware of these things so that we will not be deceived and we will know what is going on when the end comes. That's why he says in verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way. Guess what? The Thessalonians had been deceived. So some people say, you know, oh, the end is here, the end is here. Well, there's a simple question to ask. Have you seen the two signs? The two signs that 2 Thessalonians tells us we need to look for. If the answer is no, well, then the end is not quite here. Let's talk, think about end-time issues for a second. When it comes to end-time issues, here's the thing. You can get the chronology wrong, but you can't get the theology wrong. What do I mean? I mean, you can be a, a pre-tribulationist, a mid-tribulationist, or a post-tribulationist, okay? You can be premillennial, amillennial, or postmillennial. And if you don't know what any of that means, that's okay, too. 
but you can be any of those things because that fits in a Christian framework. But that's the chronology. But the theology, the foundational theology, must be rock solid. I've been uh, talking with um, a Jehovah Witness, praying for him for a couple years. He just came out of being a Jehovah Witness. And if you stop being a Jehovah Witness, um, and it is known to your family or to the, um, they don't really call it a church, it's like a kingdom hall. I mean, you are shunned, like, to the nth degree. You lose everything. Um, <clears throat> your family will disown you. Uh, your friends that are Jehovah Witnesses will disown you. All of that is on the line. And he's recently come out of that. He has not let anyone know, um, except recently he let his wife know, which actually, sadly, was risky in and of itself. Um, he's not a believer yet. So pray for him. We'll just call him Adam for now. But his foundational theology was way off. Like if you talk to a Jehovah Witness, and I've met with some of them over the years and, and talked to them on a variety of things, um, you actually agree with them on a variety of things. Uh, they're, they're moralists. They believe in um, ethical things. But here's the thing. On the key things, on the foundational theology... There's not agreement. Things like, who is Jesus? What is he? Is he a man? Is he just a man? Is he only a man? Is he divine? Well, how divine is he? In what way is he divine? Does he even show his divinity? How does he show it? I mean, those are pretty key things when we're talking about the person of Christ. If you get the person of Christ wrong, you really get the gospel wrong. You've got to have the right Christ to have the right gospel. Even things like, is Jesus coming back? Anyone who calls himself a believer will say, Jesus is coming back. But the question is, how is he coming back? You talk to some Christians, people who call themselves Christians, and they'll be like, well, Jesus is coming back, but he's not physically coming back. You're kind of like, huh? But some people believe that. That it's just like the, the, the spirit of Christ will return or something like that. They'll say the same thing, sadly, about his resurrection. But is he physically coming back? Yes. Is he physically coming back so that all see him? Yes. We can't go through 1 Thessalonians 4 or this passage without coming away with that. Yet, some people who call themselves Christians will deny him physically coming back. They'll deny him physically coming back so that all see him. Friends, brothers and sisters, that's a pretty foundational issue. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about theology. Some people have what we would call an aberrant theology, an incorrect theology, a false theology. That's what had crept into the Thessalonian church here on this particular issue. That's why he's encouraging them, really exhorting them, even warning them, let no one deceive you in any way. So Paul has three goals in this passage. The first is instruction, which is really the whole passage. Then he's going to get into warning them and telling them to be on guard. That starts in verse 3, as we see. And then lastly, he's going to comfort them. But think about the deception part. I mean, how could they possibly be believe that Jesus might have already come. 
Like bad teaching? Well, no, because Paul instructed them, right? Look at verse 5. He says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So what had happened? False teaching had crept in. Deception had crept in. People were saying various things. People were claiming to speak from the Lord. It appears that a letter seeming to be from Paul was written, signed by him, but it wasn't from him. Listen, anywhere the gospel goes, anywhere, any nation, any city, any town, anywhere the gospel goes, false teachers will take that gospel and will twist it to serve their own purposes. It always happens. Why? Because Satan loves a counterfeit. He loves a counterfeit. That's why he masquerades. How does he masquerade? Corinthians tells us as what? Angel of light. An angel of light. Okay? He loves a counterfeit. So there's two things that that Paul says we need to be looking for. He says in verse 3, continuing on, For that day will not come, Jesus returning, unless the rebellion comes first. What's the rebellion? That's how the ESV and the NIV translate it. The NAS has apostasy. The New King James and King James is falling away. So that's the idea of a great falling away. Where's the falling away going to occur? Within the church. I mean, isn't that sad? But that's where it's going to occur. When you talk about that word apostasy and you look at it, it's the departure specifically in the sphere of religion. In the sphere of religion. Okay? So whenever that word is used in the New Testament or the Old Testament, it's talking about departing from religion. So when we talk about someone who has apostatized, We'd call them an apostate. It's someone who has falsely professed to know God. Okay, so they're claiming to know God. And in time, they've fallen away and revealed their true character. They deny God. It's not someone who has known God truly and kind of backslidden a little bit. I mean, if we're honest, we've all been at that point in places of our walk, right? We've slid back a little bit. But it's one... Who has, it's not one who has known God truly, but one who has falsely professed to know God and in time has fallen away and has become apparent to the people around them. An apostate. So there's going to be what he says, the apostatizing, the rebellion, the falling away. That is going to come first. That's going to come first. It's the same thing that, that, that Jesus talks about. Keep your finger in 2 Thessalonians because we'll come back to it. But look at Matthew chapter 24. In verse 3, It says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he goes on to describe uh, the end of the age. And when he gets down to verse 10, he says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Look what else happens. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom 
will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So here Jesus in verse 10 says, many will fall away. What's, what's he referencing? The same thing that Paul is referencing, that great falling away, that great apostatizing of people within the church. Don't be surprised when that happens. Jesus told us people would fall away, large amounts. Look, I, I get it. When, when I see... Uh, when, I, when I see on whatever social media uh, a friend denying the faith or some, an acquaintance, like that breaks my heart. And I think sometimes we can think, wow, it, there's so much of it happening. It, it can feel like that because we're, in one sense, we're connected in a way we haven't been in any other generation. So we can stay connected with hundreds of friends on social media. So we can see what's going on in people's lives where some of those people, if we didn't have social media 10, 15 years ago, we just wouldn't even know what's up with them, right? So in past years, I think people have also been falling away. We just didn't see it or know about it. But think of it, friends. Remember, if, if Judas could see all he saw and experience all he experienced and still betray Jesus himself, then we can expect people today to fall away, to deny the faith. So don't be, don't be surprised. Like the temptations of the flesh, the temptations of the devil, the temptations of the world, that, that woos people away. Like you don't just wake up one day and just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fall away. Like you're wooed. You're wooed away. Small step by small step by small step. And what does Jesus say? And it's really a warning and an exhortation and an encouragement to all of us. We just read it. He says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So we got to endure. We got to endure. And let me just say something. You can endure. You can make it. You can make it to the end. Okay, if you have the Spirit of God living inside you, then you can make it. Okay, you can run the race, and you can cross that finish line. Okay, we're all running that race. If we're claiming to know Christ, like we are in a race, and we're running that race. And by God's grace, through the Spirit that's living inside of us, we can endure to the end. Okay, so, so continue pressing on. Continue pressing on. So what precedes Jesus coming back? Well, one, this rebellion, apostatizing. Second, he tells us back in 2 Thessalonians, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So those two things, the rebellion and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The Holy Spirit here is letting us know that believers will see these things. Believers will be here and will see the apostasy. They will see the man of lawlessness. Then, and only then, will we know that the day of the Lord is fast approaching. What does this man of lawlessness do? We see what he does in verse 4. He's a son of destruction. What do you think a son of destruction does? He destroys, right? 
He opposes all others. He exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. He takes his seat in the temple of God. He proclaims himself to be God. Well, who is this man of lawlessness? Well, the Apostle John had a name for him, or a title, you might say. Look at 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. So John here refers to him as the Antichrist. Notice what he says. He says, you've heard he's coming, and many Antichrists have come. Well, what is he saying? Like there's going to be like multiple Antichrists? No, there's one, the man of lawlessness, as Paul refers to him, John calls him the Antichrist, and he's like, there's been many front runners, or forerunners, we could say, that have come before the actual one, and they have given evidences of being like the one to come. They've caused people to fall away. They've encouraged people to sin. They've spoken falsely about God. All those types of things, which are what we will expect when the final Antichrist comes. When we look at the history of interpretation of this passage, I mean, it is kind of interesting. In the Middle Ages, uh, the Eastern Church saw Islam as the Antichrist. I mean, that kind of makes sense because Islam was continually persecuting the church. Okay, I mean, today, if, if you want to be politically correct, it was all the church doing all the horrible stuff to, to the Muslims, all right? And they did some bad stuff. Um, but it was also bad stuff happening from the Muslims to the church. The Western church began to see the possibility of the Antichrist in the Pope. Uh, This view seems to come early on. There were some pretty bad popes along the way, if you know your Catholic history. Uh, Once the the Reformation breaks out, they kind of continued to see um, it being as one of the popes um, some people actually see uh, what we would call a preterist view, uh, meaning some of these events have already been fulfilled. They would see it being fulfilled in potentially some of the uh, Roman emperors in the first or second century, um, including Titus or Nero. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us like what his name is. He gives him the title, the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist. We, we see that... He, Back in 2 Thessalonians, we see what he's going to do. He will oppose others and exalt himself. He will take his seat in the temple of God, and he will proclaim himself to be God. When we go along, we see that that Paul lets them know he's already been instructing them on these things, and then we get to verse 6, and he says, and you know what is restraining him now. Who's the him? It's the man of lawlessness. So there's something that's restraining him. You know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Now notice something in verse 6 and 7 here. 
In verse 6, it's a what that is restraining the man of lawlessness. It says, and you know what is restraining him. In verse 7, it says, only he who now restrains it will do so. So there's a, there's a what and there's a who. To me, the, the answer is, is pretty straightforward. What is the what? It's, it's God's power. Who is the who? It's God himself. So God's power is restraining this man of lawlessness from coming onto the scene. Who is the who doing it? Well, God himself. So God, as one theologian said, God is ultimately the one who oversees it all. He holds the leash. He is the one who opens and shuts. He kills, he makes alive. He is totally and entirely sovereign, though he works through various agents and means. We want to take comfort in that, friends, which is really the, the last part of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that, that God is in control of this entire thing. Look briefly at 1 Timothy chapter 6. In verse 13 of 6, he says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in un unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Okay, so notice in verse 14, um, it says, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. Who is the he? Well, when we read on it, it tells us who the he is. He who is blessed and only, sovereign, the king of kings, lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. Who is that? God the Father, right? Right? So God is in control. He will display. When is he going to display it? At the proper time. When is Jesus going to come back? At the proper time. Who's overseeing all that? God himself. It's interesting, that word uh, for, for time here, there's a couple different words for time in the Greek, but here, which he will display at the proper time, and then even back in 2 Thessalonians, it mentions time. Verse 6, And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. That, that same Greek word for time, kairos, gives the idea that God is in control of the events of mankind. That it is his time and nobody else's. So he sets, he sets it. This is how he wants it. It's his order. It's not like the man of lawlessness can come any sooner than he wants. God is the one restraining him. It's God's timing. God has all things under his care and control. So we take comfort in that. Well, why is God restraining him? Well, Matthew says, Matthew quotes Jesus, and it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Why is God restraining the man of lawlessness? Because he wants people to be saved. 
He wants his gospel of good news that through faith in Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven, that you can trust in Christ and receive the forgiveness of sins, that everything that you have done, past, present, or future, is covered by the blood of Jesus. And God wants that word spread to everyone. Notice how it, where it has to go. Proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. We could look at verse after verse after verse. God's not going to send his son back until we've done the job of evangelizing that he wants us to do. It's really that simple. You want Jesus to come back sooner? Start supporting world missions. Start spreading the gospel. Start sharing with people. The gospel of the kingdom proclaimed throughout the whole world. Look at 2 Peter 3. We can see the heart of God on this issue. 2 Peter chapter 3. In verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then look at the very next verse. But the day of the Lord, it's in the context of, the, of Jesus coming back. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. God is postponing this day so that the kingdom can grow. He wants people brought in. He does not want any to perish. He wants all to repent. And so he wants his good news to go to every single nation. Every single nation, the whole world is here where he wants the gospel spread. Why? Because he wants men to be reconciled with him. He wants people to have the offer of the forgiveness of sins. He wants to take people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Friends, if you're hearing this, there is a warning here in this passage. He's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord, how is it going to come? like a thief. So you better not be caught off guard. Because if you postpone your repentance, if you keep on putting it off that you can trust in the Lord, if you keep thinking, oh, tomorrow, 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 well, someday, someday, you'll be caught off guard. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. So Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. Today. So one, if you haven't trusted in Christ yet for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've not sought after God and sought him with repentance to be forgiven of the sins that you've committed against him, let today be the day that you do that. Yes. Seek after him. The gift of God, Romans says, is eternal life. He offers that gift. He doesn't want any to perish he wants all to come to repentance. But friends, you have to humble yourself in the sight of God. You have to humble yourself. 
Don't let your prideful arrogance keep you from receiving salvation. It has kept many people out of the kingdom of God. Don't let that be you. Trust in Christ. Look, we're, we're, we're in 2022. Let me just encourage you. Let's make this a year of us united, unity and community, running this race for Jesus. Let's make this a year that we commit that we are going to do what God wants us to do for the kingdom. Okay? He, he's, got, he's got it planned out. He's got these things all in his hand. He's got these things exactly timed as he wants, okay? And he wants us to play the role that he wants us to as his children, as part of his kingdom, spreading that to the whole kingdom of God, okay? Spreading that to the whole world. He wants us to take that word and spread it. He wants us to take this word to the uttermost parts of the earth, okay? Some of us, can you go to the uttermost parts of the earth? Not everyone. Some of you can, okay? But if we can't go, then we need to make it possible for others to go. We got we to send others. If we can't go, God has many of us here. That's fine, but then we got to send people. If we're not going to be the sent ones, we got to be the senders. All right? So that's one thing. But then also, so this word is for others, but let's not forget that this word is for us. Right? So in our, in our taking it to other people, we want to make sure that, that we're taking it to ourselves. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, the first person you should be sharing with is yourself. Because you need the gospel, and I need the gospel. A lot of times we think, okay, well, you know, back on February uh, 14th of 1995, I made a decision to follow after Jesus. Some of you know the date and the hour and all that. That's great. And you're like, I, I trusted in Jesus. Awesome. I did too. But guess what? It's not just like a one-time thing, really. Yes, there's the initial, but then it's like a daily thing. You're not like, you know, about, about 25 years ago, I trusted in Christ, right? No, I'm still trusting in Christ, yeah, all right? Amen. And we'd be in a world of hurt if we aren't. Yeah. And you want to know when you start falling away, when you start slipping, it's when the trust starts drying up. Yeah. So God has gifted you with his Holy Spirit to trust in him. You have everything that you need to have a fulfilled life on this earth, Amen. regardless of your circumstances. There's, we got brothers and sisters in foreign countries sitting in prisons right now, and they're more content and fulfilled than some of us in this room. That's to our shame. They have not let their circumstances affect who they are in Christ and the contentment they have. What, I mean, what's it going to take for us? Hopefully not prison, but perhaps. Hopefully not some tragedy in our lives, but perhaps. But let's start now. Let's start now. Let's be content. Let's be fulfilled. The world offers so much to fulfill you. So much. I mean, you could, we could just list them and list them and list them and list them. You're going to be disappointed if you try to be fulfilled by what the world offers. But if you take what God offers you, you will be fulfilled. It is a perfect relationship with him. A perfect relationship with his son. Think of this. The creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. With you. He wants to have that relationship. Okay, it's broken. 
but he offers reconciliation. He offers to come back together with him. That's the fancy word is R, reconciliation, okay? But there's another R word, and sometimes people leave that out, and it's repentance. Okay? If you have a broken relationship, even with, 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 with someone else, uh, a, a friend or something like that, I mean, you can't, if you just sweep stuff under the rug, I mean, that's not real reconciliation. It's really not. There's got to be repentance. There's got to be forgiveness, okay? So if you want reconciliation with God, guess, guess what? He's got terms, so to speak, terms of peace. He wants you to humble yourself and repent of your sins. He wants you to come before him and acknowledge your need for him. Not just like, oh, hey, God, you know, I'm, I just want to be good with you and I hope everything's cool. No, he wants true repentance. That means you're headed in like one direction and you're walking on the path of unrighteousness and he wants you to repent. That means turn around and head towards him. The beautiful thing is, like when you repent, you really don't have that far to walk because once you're, you know, you're walking away from God, you turn around and he is right there waiting for you. There's not really far to travel, okay? When you turn around, boom, there he is. The whole time he's been waiting for you to do that and there he is to reconcile. It is a beautiful thing. I encourage you today, be reconciled to God. Truly trust in him. He's got it all taken care of for you, whatever might come. He will be there. He will never leave you nor forsake you every single step of the way, friends. You can do this. All right? You can do this. You can do this. Because Christ gives you everything you need. If you trust in him, he will give you more than an abundant supply. And because of that, you can do this. You can walk in righteousness. You can walk in wholeness. You can walk in holiness. For my brothers and sisters that are saved and are, and are walking with him, guess what? Some of you were a little bit asleep in 2021. All right? So it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And you lost some ground in 2021. Well, like make today, 2022, January 9th, the day you're like, man, I'm going to get real and right with the Lord and, and do some stuff for the kingdom that he wants me to do. Because some of you, you've been, you're like, you haven't even been tread water, all right? You're kind of sinking below. And that's not good. That's not where God wants you at. So let's start swimming. Let's start running that race for Jesus. So, so if, if you're a brother or sister here today and you're hearing this and you know that's true of you, man, I encourage you to make it right with the Father. Commit to him. And friends, again, you can do this. You can do it because of what he's already supplied to you. You have everything you need is available to you. Everything that you need in Christ is available to the believer. To walk in righteousness, to walk in wholeness, all of those things are available. You have it. If you are a believer, you've got the Spirit. All right? If you have the Spirit, then you can walk and have the fruit of the Spirit. Where does that fruit come from? Well, it's right there. The fruit of the Spirit. It comes from Him. And if He's living inside you, then that's the righteousness that you can walk in. I encourage you to do that. Don't let another year slip by, another month slip by, another week slip by, or even a day slip by. But you don't get right today with Jesus and walk with him. Let's pray. Father, I pray for people here who don't know you. 
I ask that you would speak to them now and show them their deep need for a Savior. Their great need to be forgiven of their sins. Show them the greatness of, your, of their sins, God, but show them even more the greatness of the blood of your Son, the greatness of the salvation that you offer. Let them trust in you today. And for my brothers and sisters, Lord, maybe 2021, they just weren't where they needed to be with you. Let them today set their hearts fast upon you. And commit, Lord, in 2022 to seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. to seek you, Lord, in all things. We thank you by your spirit that we can do this. Not on our own strength, but by your spirit, we can walk in truth and righteousness. So let us walk in faith, God. Let us walk in hope. Let us walk in righteousness before you. And let us follow you every single step of the way. Thank you, Father, that you lead us, that you shepherd us, that you guide us, that you are the great God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the one who has immortality. You are the one who dwells in unapproachable light. One day, Lord, we will see you face to face. Until then, God, may we be your faithful children that trust you that seek you, and that grow in our faith and knowledge of you. For your glory, Lord, we pray. Amen.